Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Good to be with you here in person and uh, with the folks online as well. Uh, I'm thankful for the new year. I love new beginnings, don't you? Like a fresh start. Um, even though 2022 seemed to be a pretty good year overall, it didn't end all that well for a lot of folks. I don't know about you, but did, did you notice there seemed to be more deaths in the month of December than any month that I can ever remember? I was just either doing a funeral or going to a funeral and just really overwhelmed and, and burdened by that. And it took a lot of the joy out of the, the holidays, if you will. Um, but, um, you know, even our family, we weren't immune to it. I lost my cousin, Lynn. Some of you guys know Lynn. She went to the Holy Land with us. She's been here a number of times and uh, she died last week and so her funeral was Thursday, and we went down to Edenton, North Carolina for that, and then came back. Um, we also lost our big dog, Bo, which was real sad. You guys, I've talked about Bo, used him as an as a example of sin um, before, <laughs> you know, because that dog just won't stay in the yard. Well, now he will, but the, uh, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> He won't. The, uh, <laughs> and you'll find out why here in a second. The, uh, you know, it was sad because I wasn't home. I, I was in Rwanda, of all places, and, and got the word from Carolyn and, and the boys. And obviously, it was really sad. I get a picture. There's Bo, sweet old Bo. Bo uh, I think that's like his last, last day over there. And, um, so anyhow, it is, it is a sad thing, but then there's also some comedy that comes out of it sometimes, um, specifically when Carolyn's involved um, <laughs> and dealing with the cremation of our animals. And then uh, there's also joy, too, in the midst of sorrow and sadness, because my uh, precious wife is a determined woman, and she was determined to get a new puppy, right? And so she's got some great stories, and I'm going to invite her up to tell them. All right, because uh, she's going to do a better job than, than I can. All right. Actually, I forgot to tell you this, but I was thinking this might be a good chance to kind of go through 2022 and kind of have a rebuttal of everything Scott has said about our family in the past year. No? Okay. I'll just stick with the dog story. Um, anyway, so yeah, Bo, Scott was in Rwanda and... Um, I was home with the boys, and one night we had basketball practice, and we were kind of hanging around waiting. The boys, Sam and um, Cody, practiced from 8 to 9 at Breckenridge, so we were waiting for basketball practice, which is really bedtime. <laughs> anyway, that's a different issue. And uh, Bo starts kind of stumbling across. Well, so two weeks prior to that, I'd had him at the vet, and she said, I said, is he just old, and we just need to get prepared for the end? And she said, no, um, I think it's just his thyroid and some other things. She did a lot of lab work, very expensive lab work, and gave us some very expensive medication, which we started on, and he seemed to be doing better. He was jumping up on the couch to snuggle again and things like that. So um, then two weeks after that, he's kind of stumbling, um, and I thought he was going to throw up. So I'm like, get him out! You know, and we threw him out into the yard, and um, <clears throat> then he was out there for a while, so I went out to call him in before we had to go to basketball, and we couldn't find him anywhere. And he does tend to run off, like Scott said. So I thought, well, you know, maybe he just went to do a quick survey of the neighborhood and he would be back. And um, so I promised the boys, while you're at practice, I'll look around for him. So I took them to practice, got the flashlight, went out and was looking all around the yard. And 
um, calling, whistling, all the things. And I found him way back in the bushes, just kind of, he, he wasn't dead, he was breathing, but it could, I could tell he was struggling to breathe. And um, we'd had, had another dog, a cho- chocolate lab, that had gone to a similar location. So I thought, oh, this is it. So Craig and I, we got a beach towel, and we kind of dragged him into the garage and put him on his little bed and covered him like you saw in the picture. And um, then I went to pick the boys up from basketball. And the whole time I'm just praying, Lord, please don't let the dog die until they get home and they can say goodbye, because they were very worried about him before they went to practice. So he makes it until we get home, and everybody, we're all in the garage around his bed. I wasn't going to bring the dying dog into the house. I just wasn't going to deal with that mess. So um, anyway, we prayed for him. We talked about our favorite memories of the dog, and um, it was a very sweet time. And then I told the boys, I'll get up in the night and check on him. Um, I wasn't going to take him to the emergency vet because we had just spent a fortune on lab work and tests and medications, and I thought, you know what, this is it. It's probably just the end. He was 13. So um, I got up around in the 4 o'clock hour and went down, and he had died in the night. So... I also am the school counselor at Greenfield, and I'm in charge of all the testing. So I had to be at work at 6 to get the testing all set up, and then I had to get the boys to school, and I had to tell them that their beloved dog had died, and um, that was a sad morning. So I went to school, got there at 6, got everything ready, came back home, woke the boys up. We had our little time with Bo saying goodbye again, and then they got off to school, and I took Cody with me, and we went back to Greenfield. And um, then the whole day during testing, I'm thinking what am I going to do with his body? I mean, I've got this dog in the garage, and I don't want the boys, after all this sorrow, to come home to the dog. So um, I, my principal let me leave a little bit early, so about 12.45, um, I got home. And, and one of the teachers, we had a lady named Ashley Wiley who was doing a long-term sub, and she'd said, if I could get the dog to her property way down Little Catawba Creek Road, he would dig a hole with his excavating machine and bury the dog. So that was one choice. And, um, but I also knew from a previous pet experience that animal control in the city will cremate your dog if you don't want the ashes back. And like Bo, I'm kind of a sinner, and I didn't really want to ask for help. I, didn't know, I also was on a time crunch because I had until 2.30 when Cody got off the bus to make sure the dog was completely out of the house and I was back. So um, I decided to go with the animal control option. So I, I get home, and there's the dog on the bed in the back of the garage, and so I'm looking at the dog, I go out to the van, and I slide the seats in the middle section back, and then the seats in the front section up, so I have this space in between the two front seats and the middle seats. And then I drag the dog on the towel around to the van. And I've been doing CrossFit for about two and a half years now, so I was sure that I could, if I you know, really bent my legs and got down low, I could deadlift the dog and put him into the van. And... Um, that was not the case. <laughs> 82 pounds, and it was just too much for me. So then I thought, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went back in the garage, and I'm looking around at all the things, and um, I saw the cornhole boards, and I thought, third grade science, simple machines. So I got the cornhole boards board, and I made a ramp to the van, and I drag. well, he's already out there, so I start to drag him up, and I could get him up a little bit, and then I went around it because I thought, I'll pull him. So I went around to the other door, climbed through the van, and I'm pulling him up this way. At first, I'm a little sad, some teary-eyed, but by this time, I'm just like running back around, pushing, running back around, pulling, you know. So then, sadly, he died kind of in this position. So I get him up towards the, where the door is, and he's, you know, 
he's hitting it. I'm pulling, and it. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And this is when I should have probably, well, probably even before this, I should have asked for help. Lots of friends in the church, Scott's friends that he plays golf with and just other men, have said, hey, when he's out of town, if you need anything, let me know. But I did not do that. So um, anyway, uh, here he is. And so I just turn him so his legs are straight up like this. And then I get one big push and I get him in, in, in the van. And I close the door. And then, believe it or not, by this time, it's only about five minutes till one. So I call animal control, and I, you know, just to make sure that that's still a thing. And she says, yes, but please don't come until two o'clock, or between two and 2.30, because we have some people looking at the dogs for adoption in there. So I was like, okay, so now I got the dog in my car. I got to get him out, and also I've got a few errands to run. (laughs) So... I went to Joey and Fabrics <laughs> and got some yarn and, uh, for a baby blanket I'm making, and I pull in, and there's this person sitting in their truck, probably waiting for their spouse inside Joey and Fabrics, in a big truck, and I'm right next to them, and they can see right down into my... So I try to cover them up with a towel, and I go into Joanne's. I get to um, the animal control place over by um, Orange Avenue. They were so nice. I know they expected me to be really sad or something, but by this time I'm just like, here, I'll help you. Let's get the dog out. And, See ya. And, you know, so that was the uh, sad story of Bo. Um, and, uh, but well, Scott was gone, so we had told him all about it. And um, then I start just sending him pictures of puppies while he's in room. No words, just a text message with a picture of a puppy. Lots of different types of puppies. And um, so... He, uh, he comes, uh, I'm trying to think of how it went. He said, what's this? And I said, oh, just to get you thinking, you know. So then he gets home, and um, he says, this is a few days later, he texts me, what do you want for Christmas? So, uh, and he had asked me before, and I just said, I, you know, I don't really need anything, I can't think of anything. So I continue to send the pictures of the puppies. <laughs> and so he's, one of his texts is like, hmm, I was afraid of that. And then he sends another one. Actually, I was thinking I was going to come home from Rwanda and find that you had already gotten a puppy. And I said, well, I would never do that without yes being in agreement. I would not do that. (laughs) There are some things I would do, but I know he, like for years, Scott has said, when these dogs go, we're not getting any more dogs. This is it. No pets. We're going to be a no pet family. And so I would not get a pet without your approval. Um, Yes, and we already have another dog, so we, you know, we weren't petless. But anyway, so he con- somehow comes around and agrees that I can get a dog. So I contact a breeder, in, um, and the one for the type of dog I wanted was in Pennsylvania. And um, he says, so I think this is like on Thursday, and he said, well, I've got somebody coming to look Saturday morning, and I'm not taking any deposits, so it's kind of first come, first serve. So after work Friday, I just get in my car, and I drive to Pennsylvania. And um, I get as far as Carlisle, and he contacts me and says, I've sold the dog. So I know. So I'm in PA, but he has a friend. So I call that guy, and he says, sure, you can come tomorrow morning. I do have somebody else coming out to look. If they get here first, they get the dog. So I'm like, okay. So I spend the night in a very nice microtel in Carlisle. They had a fantastic breakfast bar. I'm all by myself. I'm listening to my worship music, singing my Broadway show tunes, listening to my book tape. It was great. And so I'm driving to Gap, PA, which is kind of near where Scott grew up. So I was familiar with the area. And that guy calls me and says, 
Somebody else has bought the dog. So I'm like, okay. So then he says, but I have a friend. <laughs> It's like the Amish mafia up there with the dog. So um, I, I call this guy, and he, there are two different ones, actually. So I call one, and he says, well, I've got some family things going on this morning. I'll contact you when it's all over. And then this other guy is in Ohio. So I call him in Ohio, and he has two um, mini Bernese Mountain Dogs. It's a mixture of a Cavalier, King Charles Spaniel, and a Bernese Mountain Dog, and they're that tricolor, real pretty black, brown, and white. And um, he has two left. He says, I don't have anyone else coming. You can have either one. I'll save them for you whenever you get here. So I drive across the state of Pennsylvania, four and a half hours, into Ohio. It's snowing, um, but the snow wasn't on the roads. It was just kind of like everywhere in the air, but not sticking. And I went to this farm, and it's this nice German Baptist or Mennonite family, and they have these beautiful dogs, and they've been socialized with the kids. They invite me into their home, and it was just, it was a very nice experience. And I got Charlie, who I think we have a picture of, and there he is. Yeah. And, you know, we, we loved Bo so much. He really was a good dog. He was kind of regal. We would sometimes compare him to Aslan from the um, Chronicles of Narnia. Just really a great dog, except for the sin issue of running off sometimes. But, um, and so we certainly miss him. Like last night, we, were, we did some fireworks out in the driveway, and they were making these loud sounds, and Bo was afraid of loud noises, so we were kind of thinking about Bo. And, you know, there is that sorrow, but there's also joy in, in something new. And um, so... That's kind of it, and thankfully we serve a God who can usher us, usher us out of that sorrow and into joy. And I'll let Scott tell you more about that. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Again, nobody ever claps for me. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Never. <clears throat> That's why I had Caroline come up. Thank You're clapping because I had Caroline come up the, uh, and didn't have to listen to me the whole time. Anyhow, so, the, you know, in the midst of sadness, we, we tried to bring some lightness to it, too. Like, um, God has a way of, of taking us from our sadness and helping us to experience joy if we want it. Remember, we, we talked about joy over this past series and uh, that joy is a choice. And so this morning, because I know there is a lot of sadness because there's been so much death in our midst, I, I want to um, look at how Jesus tried to comfort his disciples in the midst of sadness to bring them into joy. So we're going to look at, at John chapter 16. And just to set it up, um, you know, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death, and um, he was trying to bring them comfort. And John, one of the neat things about this is, so John is one of his closest disciples, so this is a firsthand account. John was right there in the midst of it, able to write this stuff down, and more importantly, able to memorize all of this. He's there, he's listening to it. And so J Jesus is going to comfort them, and I believe it's going to be comforting to us as well, as he's talking about how it's going to be better, actually, for them, for him to, to die, to leave, than it is for him to stay. So we want to look at this. Um, it's John chapter 16, verses 7 through 22. Now, <clears throat> beginning in verse 7, he says, this is Jesus again speaking. Said, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So, right here, Jesus is talking about the advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. All right? 
So he's saying, it's going to be better for you for me to go away, for me to die, to go to heaven, because I'm going to then send you my spirit, the advocate. Then verse 8, and he says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. I, I read this, I couldn't tell you how many times, and that really struck me. You know what the world's sin is? It's our failure to believe in Jesus and to follow him. That's really what it boils down to. Sin is simply our failure to believe in Jesus and follow him. Continues on, Jesus says, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Again, he's referencing he's going to die, but he's going to be resurrected. He's going to ascend eventually to be at the right hand of the Father. Verse 11, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So Satan, remember, he, he thought he was victorious in orchestrating the death of Jesus Christ. He thought this was going to be his greatest victory, and ultimately it was his greatest defeat, wasn't it? Because it all worked into God's plan. Even the, the death of Jesus was part of God's plan, and Satan failed in the midst of it. He played right into God's hand. Then in verse 12, it says, there is so much, this is Jesus, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, again, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Now, I want to pause there. Jesus is describing what, what I would call the pass it on game. The pass it on game. Some of you guys may be familiar with that. Some of you guys know it better as the telephone game. All right, maybe that rings a bell. Here's how it works if you haven't played it before. You get a group of folks together and you sit in a circle. And then somebody starts it and they whisper into the person's ear on the right hand, on the right hand and, and they tell them, you know, a couple lines of something. And then that person has to listen keenly, and then they whisper it into the ear of the person next to them. And then they do the same thing, and it goes around the circle. You guys familiar with this? Have you ever played this? And then at the end, the last person stands up, and they say what they heard, right? Now, if you played that, isn't it funny? Because what they say and what started out don't typically sound the same, do they? And, and it's kind of funny. Now, um, if you've ever tried to play this with some Jewish people, it doesn't work. Like, because the Jews put a high value on oral tradition and listening and repeating exactly back what they heard. And so if you tried to do this game in a Jewish context, you'd be like, well, that was a dud. You know, like, you got it right. Congratulations. The, uh, but, but here's the beautiful thing. What, what Jesus is describing, I think, is the ultimate version of this game where he's saying that um, we're going to pass it on. So, so whatever the Father says to the Son, the Son says to the Spirit, the Spirit says to the followers of Jesus. And so they pass it on. And the beautiful thing here is that, that God is unique. One God, three persons. So 
Everything is passed down or passed on exactly the same. And we, through faith in Jesus, are in this special place that we become, in essence, players in the game. And now we have this ability to hear directly from God. We can hear God's desire and his will for our lives any minute of any day. Any minute of any day. And so that's what Jesus is referring to there. Now, he's pointing out again why it's so important for him to leave, because unless he leaves, we don't receive the Spirit, right? So it was great for the disciples and those around them at the time to have Jesus. I mean, imagine how cool it would be, like Jesus is walking around with you. You are hanging out with Jesus. It must have been incredible, right? But he couldn't be everywhere all the time because he was in his physical body. But he knew that when I leave here and I send my spirit, now my spirit can be everywhere all the time. He can indwell every single one of you, that he will be with you every minute of every day. This is going to be great. And I get it. You don't see that right now. Because all you can, can hear, all you can feel and fathom is the sadness that you're going to experience when I'm not with you. And, and I get it. And I get it, but, but I want you to have hope because there, there's a hope. Even in the midst of sadness and sorrow, I'm telling you, there, there's hope of something better yet to come. And then we see this um, in verse 16. He says, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you'll see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me. And I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. So they're confused, obviously. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, and so he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you'll see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. The world will rejoice. They're going to think that something good has happened because Jesus has been put to death. It says, you'll grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Your grief is going to turn to wonderful joy. It'll be like a, a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. See, out of that death, it's going to be new life. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one, no one can rob you of that joy. No one can rob you of that joy. Again, try and imagine you're one of his disciples and you're hanging out with him and, and Jesus is telling you all of this and it's just way too much. It's more than you can handle. And he, he's saying at, at the age of 33, he's going to die. He, he's going to be gone. Not only that, but, but you're going to be kind of lost. You've been following him for three years. I mean, literally following him wherever he goes. What is going to happen to you? And not only that, he, he even throws in there that you're going to be persecuted too because you're followers of, of me. Like, this is going to get even worse before it gets better. And so imagine the sorrow and the sadness and, and just the unbelief 
the confusion that they're experiencing in the midst of this. And then Jesus is saying, but it's going to be good. Like, it's better for me to leave than for me to stay. And, and I'm thinking, there's no way they understood that. There's no way they could have understood that. Even though he tried to explain it, they didn't get it, right? And we wouldn't get it. And when you're in the midst of sorrow and sadness, like, again, a lot of us in here in the last few weeks have lost somebody very close to us. And it's hard to see anything good about that. In the midst of that sorrow and that sadness, it's hard to find the joy And yet Jesus is saying to his followers, it's going to be good for you that I leave you. You know, he goes on and and just, you know, tries to reassure them. Even if you go to verse, or chapter 17, he he talks about how he's going to prepare a place. And in his father's house, there are many rooms. And, you know, that's to be encouraging. And he says, look, I'm not going to just leave you. I I know you're not going to see me for a while, but then you're going to see me again. And they couldn't figure all of that out either. But he's making all these promises, all these promises. And the disciples had to decide whether they're going to believe those promises and choose joy or remain in their sorrow and their sadness. And I think the same is true for us. Because some of you may be sitting here and and you've lost a a mother, a father, a a loved one in just the last few days and some the last few weeks. And and you're saying, well, Scott, I I hear you on that, but how does that apply to me? Like, where, where do I find encouragement and joy in the midst of the sadness and the sorrow that I'm experiencing. And and I believe the source of that joy is the same source as Jesus was instilling to his disciples. I think it's the very same source. See, I think it all boils down to whether or not we have faith in Jesus Christ and whether those that we've lost have faith in Jesus as well. Because, again, I've been to a number of funerals in just the last few weeks There's a difference. There's a difference between those that you know, that you know that you know, that they they had faith in Jesus and that they were following Jesus. And there's a difference in those that you don't quite know. And you're kind of grasping for anything you can grab a hold of that would give you that hope. See, I think the source of our hope is faith in Jesus whether it's his disciples losing him or it's us losing a loved one. Again, if, if our loved one had faith in Jesus Christ and we have faith in Jesus Christ, there's pain, right? There's sadness, but there's joy. There's joy because we know we're, we're going to spend eternity together. We will see each other again in a little while. In a little while, just like Jesus was saying. But in those situations where maybe the loved one didn't seem to have faith or be a follower of Jesus, or maybe that's true for us, we don't have faith or we're not following Jesus, there really isn't any joy. There really isn't any joy. There's just sadness. And so I feel compelled that as we start this new year, it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. And I feel like um, it's an opportunity for one 
for us to really deepen our relationship with Jesus, to really draw close to him, so that we are so close to him that in the midst of sadness and sorrow, we feel his comfort, we feel his peace, because we have his spirit living within us. And we become just so finely in tune with the will and the desire and the ways of God, because we're part of that game, right? So if we have any questions, we just ask the Father who tells the Son, who speaks to the Spirit, who tells us directly what it is that we so desperately need. Because we have this oneness with God. That's a beautiful thing that is available to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So I think that is one thing in this new year that we're called to, to this deep abiding faith personally. And then I feel we're also called to really be more bold, to really care so much for those around us that we are willing to take some risks, willing to even offend some people by telling them this good news about Jesus. Because remember, Jesus was saying, you know, some of the world's going to, they're going to rejoice because I'm gone, right? While you may be grieving, they're going to be rejoicing. And that's still true today. There are many people that um, are against Jesus. They are not fans of Jesus. And so when you go to them, they may not receive it well, but you got to love them. You got to care more about them than you do about how they're going to receive the good news that you offer them, how they're going to respond to you. That's the motivation I think that we, we need coming into this new year. And we're going to spend the month of January kind of um, going back to the basics, right back to the fundamentals, making sure that we are well equipped, first personally in our own faith. Um, journey with, with Jesus, but also that we are equipped to share this with other people. So you can look forward to that in the next few weeks. Um, but in the meantime, as we start today, January 1st, 2023, I, I just want to encourage us and remind us it's a new beginning. Today's a new beginning. Now, there's sadness because of the loss that probably every one of us in here has experienced recently, and that's okay. I'm not saying that you don't address that, that that sadness needs to be just pushed down or not dealt with. No, you need to deal with that. There's a time for mourning, right? There's a time for those things. But that should not define us going forward. I think in, in Jesus' message, it seemed to me like he was always forward. He was always forward-looking, I know this is sad, but I want you to look forward to what is waiting for you. I want you to look forward to the joy, the joy that I've set before you. Focus on that. Focus on that joy. And so that may mean that in the midst of sadness and loss, it's created some opportunity for some new beginnings. Maybe what it's a call to is new relationships. Maybe because of the loss of one, you now have room for a new relationship. Maybe God's calling you to reach out to somebody new, to begin a new friendship, to deepen an old friendship. Well, that's one of the things that you find at funerals, too. You, you make these reconnections, right, with some old friends and family members. Maybe that's part of what God's calling us to do in this new year. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. And, um, you know, maybe he's calling you to get a puppy. Like, I don't know. But I, I, somehow, even in the midst of mourning and sadness, there's laughter and joy, too, you know, even in the midst of it. And um, that little puppy brings us a lot of joy, even when he poops right there on the floor. You know, 
after you've taken out and he's pooped four times and then he comes right back in and poops again, you know, and somehow there's joy in that. Kind of like having a baby, right? Look at Sutton over there with little baby Jovi. There's sorrow and sadness in the loss of someone we care about. But we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. Because there's joy and new beginnings and new relationships. Let's pray. God, thanks so much. We all deal with death and dying and sadness and sorrow. And we don't have to let that define us. We don't have to get stuck there. We, we want to cherish those fond memories that we have with others, whether it's family members, friends, loved ones, even our pets, Lord, they're so precious to us. We don't want to diminish that at all. But Lord, you're all about new beginnings, fresh starts, new life. And so we pray that as we start this new year, that we would be moving closer to you and we would be drawing closer to others and helping them draw closer to you. Lord, we know it's your heart for every man, woman, and child to come to know you and, and love you and serve you all the days of their life. And so I pray that you would do a new thing in us. You'd give us a newfound faith, a deepened faith, an abiding faith, and that you would give us new boldness to just care more about people's soul than um, we care about how they're gonna respond to the good news. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to take that time with your disciples. Thank you for John being right there who could write it down. And he didn't have any problem remembering what you said. He, he caught it all. Thank you. And thank you for this opportunity to start the new year together. We pray it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.